Coming up, the real reason why you can't leave your job. And then what SVB employees say led to the bank's failure. I'll break it down, and I'm going to coach you up. You're ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Helping you win at work and in life so you're making more money and experiencing more meaning. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. So the real reason you can't leave your job in a word, doubt. Oh, I wish it was so much more exciting and scintillating, but it's not. It's doubt. How do I know this? Well, I've talked to thousands upon thousands of people who present different stories, different circumstances, but it all comes down to doubt. And I want to dive deep into this, some of the actual voices. Because doubt leads to excuses. So when I don't believe that something good can happen, in other words, in this context, today, it's I'm in a dead-end job, I'm in a toxic job, I want to move on, but I feel stuck because I doubt that I can move on. I doubt that I can do what is necessary to move on. So what happens is we start to come up with excuses to justify our inaction. Now, I don't want anybody to feel picked on here because I I, I could be teaching myself here. And in fact, I am. Doubt leads to excuses and the excuses help us justify inaction. Let me explain. So when you have a decent idea of what it would take to actually leave that dead-end job or toxic environment, and you've figured out, okay, it's going to take this, maybe I need this qualification here, um, or I need to get some more experience over there, I begin to see what a path could look like. What happens is our doubt, and let's talk about doubt's cousin fear, so doubt is I don't believe something good can happen. Our fear is I'm worried about something bad happening. So these are the two cousins that kind of hang out. And they hang out on our shoulders and they whisper excuses like this. It's too expensive. You're too busy. You don't have enough time in your life to get qualified, to get connected, to take on some added response. You don't have time. You're too busy. So that's one financial excuse, and then there's one schedule excuse, okay? So we're going we're gonna to kind of frame these because these are the two areas where I see most excuses. Time or schedule, and then financial, budget, right? Oh, I, I, and so what happens is, is we find a limitation in our time. We find a limitation in our finances. And when we see the limitation, the limitation becomes the excuse for inaction, because what we see is the limitation. We go, well, then this is risky or this is irresponsible to move forward. So therefore, I'm going to stay stuck and convince myself that it's because I'm being smart. And then we end up blaming it on life. Well, shoulda, coulda, woulda. I uh, really wanted to, but uh, finances didn't allow, schedule didn't allow. It's tough, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I, I I stayed stuck. I accepted less. I dealt with more misery because I'm a good person. 
See, that's how that starts. Now, let's fast forward 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You're resentful. Miserable. You blame others for a while, and then ultimately, you're saddled with regret, and you know deep down in those little quiet areas that it was your fault. So, let's talk about finances today. I want to dive deep on the finance part of this. So why are the financial reasons, the big excuses and, and, and the cause for doubt? Well, let me just say this. There's a bit of truth to it. Well, what, what, what people are actually saying is, is I don't have the money. It's too expensive. What they're saying is I'll never have enough money. That's what they're really saying. Because when they present, well, it's going to be too expensive. I don't have the money. What they're saying is essentially, I'll never have it. This is my lot in life. It's going to be too hard. It's too expensive. It's too difficult. Blah, 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 blah. And what they're really saying is, they don't, they'll never have the money. When what is true is, I don't have enough money right now. Now, that's the truth part. I've coached many people on this show. Have called and said, hey, Ken, I'm here. I want to be there. And we walk. They say, help me figure out what the path is. And we help them figure it out. And we look at what does it take to get qualified. And that's going to take money and time. There's no question about that. Those are always expenses, time and money. But what happens is, is when we don't have enough time right now or enough money right now, what we end up doing is we act as though I'll never have enough time, I'll never have enough money, and so then we retreat from the from the forward thinking, and we retreat from the actions that will allow us to get where we want to go, and we make excuses for it and then justify it. So let's talk about enough money. If you don't have the money right now, what will allow me to get the money in the near future? Okay, so let's first look at how much money do I actually need? If, let's just use the traditional education route as a simple example. If I do need some type of degree, whether it's a certification or a degree, it could be a two-year program, a trade program, or, or something like that. Okay, let's look at, okay, how much money do I actually need? I can tell you from experience that anytime we look at education and qualification training, you're going to have what I call a champagne option, a wine option, and a beer option. All right? Now, you non-alcoholic drinkers don't get offended. I'm just using it as an example. Okay, so these are categories. The champagne is going to be super expensive. The wine, not quite, but still pricey. And the beer is the budget, baby. You can always get some PBR or Old Milwaukee for next to nothing. All right? That's the idea. But in but in the education certification world, nobody cares whether you went to champagne, wine, at all. They don't care. I'll give you proof of this. None of you have asked your doctor where they went to med school. If you did, you're neurotic and you have bigger problems. Nobody asked their doctor where they went to med school. They just don't. They don't care. So how much money do I actually need? So if the financial excuse is hitting you in the face and you've got some debt, guess what? You need to pay some debt off. Maybe you need to save up some money. I'm going to tell you, in my journey, when I started into a broadcasting trade school, I had to delay it for a year. I had to pay off some debt and I had to save the money up. I did both of those things. So what that means is, is that I had an idea, I had some discipline and I went after it and I delayed 
I didn't dismiss. I didn't dismiss broadcasting because, well, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I just delayed it until I had enough money. So once we define enough money, enough time, how much money, how much time do we need? Let's put some real numbers to this. 18 months. $15,000. Let's put real numbers there. Now let's make a plan, not an excuse. Make a plan. How do I get there? What do, what do I need to do to have the time and have the money? Let me go do that. Stop making excuses. Make a plan. I'll be here to help. All right. Coming up next, I break down the SVB debacle. Hey, if you're watching this show on YouTube, we'd love for you to support us by subscribing to the channel. If you're listening via your favorite podcast app, give us a five-star review after following us. And above all, will you share after you've done those two things? Subscribe on YouTube and follow us and give us a five-star review on podcast. Share, share, share. We're growing and we need your help. And uh, that's how we do it. Uh, Oh, by the way, folks, I'm heading out on the road solo, baby. No backup singers, no band. Just me singing the greatest hits. Uh, kid, I'm not singing at all. Uh, but my new event, Career Breakthrough, is for a lot of different people who listen and watch this show. Here are the cities. If you want to drive or fly in, you can. Kansas City, April 20th. Chicago, May 16th. Atlanta, May 18th. Dallas, May 23rd. So who's the event for? People who feel stuck. Could be a variety of reasons, but you need a breakthrough. Right now you're going, I... I I need some help getting from where I am to where I want to be. There's a gap, Ken. I want to make more money. I want to experience more money, uh, more meaning. I want to do that thing that's been on my heart. I'm not sure how to do it. I'm scared. I'm doubtful. I got some negative people in my life holding me back. Hey, this event is for you. I'm going to give you the formula for courage. Simply put, I'm going to give you the formula, and then I'm going to take your questions from the crowd. It's going to be great. Picture the Ken Coleman Show, but I'm live in these awesome theaters. All the details at kencoleman.com slash events, kencoleman.com slash events. Kansas City, April 20th, Chicago, May 16th, Atlanta, May 18th, Dallas, May 23rd. I can't wait to get out on the road. It's going to be fun. kencoleman.com slash events. All right. Are you paying attention to the news? Some of you don't. Uh, which is which is healthy, and you also rely on me. But you know why? Because I'm of the people, by the people, for the people. I am a man of the people, and I'm going to give you right here a very different take. So everybody heard about Silicon Valley Bank, right? And everybody got scared, and or maybe you didn't get scared. But the media jumped all over it. Oh, banks are going to fail. There's going to be run on the banks. Get your money out. Bury it in the old tin coffee cans. I don't know who said that. Well, there's an interesting, interesting testimony from SVB employer, employees. This is fascinating. There's a lot of reasons why it failed. Uh, you can watch all your financial institution channels and all that, but there's an interesting non-financial reason that several current and former Silicon Valley Bank employees are citing in an article 
from the Financial Times. And here is the reason. Remote work. Bum, bum, bum. Here come the haters, Ken. You hate remote work. No, I don't. I just report the facts, and then I tell you what I think about the facts. If you got your panties in a wad over this one, relax. Here's what they said. Poorly managed remote work was a part of the big problems at the company. This from employees at Silicon Valley Bank. Now, a lot of the banking industry has asked for people to come back, and that they kind of led the trend, if you will, to come back into the office. can't believe that's a trend, but here we are. Well, SVB did not. They were an outlier. Now, this is interesting. The company's own career page touted its flexible culture. This is directly from the SVP website. In our time, excuse me, if our time working remotely has taught us anything, it's that we can trust our employees to be productive from wherever they work. Fantastic. Sounds wonderful. Sounds very healthy. And the executive team modeled it. The executives at Silicon Valley Bank were spread out around the country with the CEO, Greg Becker, at times working from Hawaii. A little jealous there. I'm not going to lie to you. Yet, in their annual report of 2022, Silicon Valley Bank included remote work as a risk to its business. Hmm. Who, who, what was that song, Things That Make You Go, hmm? Remember that song? I forget what that song was. Anybody out in the studio? You never heard that song before? Yeah, it was a famous song. Somebody looked that up. Things that make you go, hmm. I need to know what that is to pay that off before the segment is over. In part, their memo said that IT issues were prevalent when employees were dispersed around the country. They also mentioned productivity reasons. So now this is fascinating. All right, so let me pull back for a moment. There are multiple reasons why SVB got into the mess that it was in. Okay. Multiple reasons that are financial. This is not a financial show, so I'm not going to break that down. However, when their employees are citing remote work and the lack of communication and the lack of productivity, you got to wake up to this and go, what's going on here? I have said before, I'll say it again. I think there are companies that can get remote work figured out and they do it well. I'm not going to be one of these people who sticks his head in the sand and say it can't be done well. I'm not going to say that. What I'm saying is, is that anybody with a brain who's willing to look at working together in proximity leads to better communication, collaboration, and execution. It just does. If you're going to do it remote, you got to go the extra mile. You got to have more fail safes. You got to have better communication. You got to work hard on collaboration. And execution is going to take a little bit more work. It's just the nature of it. Different time zones, different locations. I mean, this is not difficult to understand if you are willing to have some common sense around it. So beneath all the headlines about the financial instability and the mistakes made and the interest rates and all the things, 
you've got their own people who love it and said that we love remote work, but we saw real problems with it. So why do I bring this up? Because nobody else is talking about this. And I'm telling you that when leaders aren't communicating well, big time things can fall off really quickly and remote work. The leadership being spread out all over the country poses communication challenges. That's what I'm saying. And if you don't get it right, it'll blow up in your face really quickly. All right. Speaking of poor communication, uh, I don't know if you've seen that Facebook is laying off more people and more to come. Well, we've got another worker found out uh, a really awful way. Jenny S. went in on LinkedIn last Wednesday and posted that she had not fully processed that she lost her dream job via email that that she opened up at 5.55 a.m. in the morning. You open up your email and you find out you've been laid off. No communication. She went on to say, Meta was my dream job and dream company I was recently promoted in July, and I could have been, could not have been happier. I was working on great projects, so this is hitting me hard. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. Yeah, she is. You know what she's really having a hard time wrapping her head around? Is that everything seemingly was going well. She was happy. It was her dream job, and all of a sudden, she gets treated like a unit of production, no personal touch. Can we just get back to the golden rule? Treat others as you would want to be treated? You can't tell me that the person who decided to send her an email to let her know that she'd been laid off essentially really early in the morning or overnight while she slept, you can't tell me that that's how they'd want to be treated. So why do it to somebody else? So some of you are going to have to lay some people off. And can I just implore you when you're in that really sucky position because it sucks that all you can do is acknowledge that it sucks, look them in the eye with some compassion and empathy and say, I this is horrible. I hate that this is happening. Here's what I can tell you about why it's happening. And just treat them with some dignity. How hard is that? Leaders, I don't care how many people you got to lay off. I don't care how big the company is. Human touch. Human touch. How would you want to be treated? How about we do more of that? Coaching you up so that you can move forward with clarity, confidence, and courage. I'm Ken. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Let's go to Connor, who's in Panama City Beach, Florida. I was just there last week. Connor, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, Ken. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Awesome. Glad you're down here in the wonderful, cool beaches of Panama City Beach last weekend. Yeah, we had some nice days. You know, I got a little bit of color. A whole lot more needed. But, you know, you guys did your part. I'm high on vitamin D right now, so that's great. So what's going yeah, that's on? That's awesome. Yeah, so I guess I'm going to go right to the question, or I'm going to get context and the question, a little bit of background for what I've done so far. So I work in a high-level military organization as a federal contractor now. Okay. I've been in this organization for about seven years, three and a half in my current capacity as a contractor, and three and a half in uniform. I'm part-time military as well. 
but I've been passed up for promotional opportunities and additional responsibilities, both due to my age in relation to the guys around me and my current parental arrangements outside of the workplace, which uh, I can get more on that later if I need to. Um, also, I've not received a compensation increase from my contract company in the last three years, which I have brought up with him as well. Okay, so my so, question though is... All right, go ahead. Go ahead with the question. I'm sorry. Yeah, my question is, how do I remain, well, with my dignity intact, in an organization where I feel devalued and micromanaged while searching for my next career path? Well, you don't remain. I mean, you, you, there's something going on here. And we do want to try to, to the best of our ability, get as much clarity as possible so that we can learn something. Uh, but th- you're just not going to be able to remain much longer. So you remain as long as it takes to replace your job because mm-hmm. it just feels like there's a pretty darn good lid on you. Am I right? Yeah. I feel the glass ceiling, and I felt it for a while, but it's became increasingly known as my boss gets closer to retirement. He's retiring at the end of May, and I expressed my interest in his position to multiple people in the organization over the last six months, and they've all asked my age directly in questions, which I'm 26, so I'm much younger than the 62-year-old guy sure. I'm replacing. Yeah. And it's a federal organization, so we get that side. Uh, but I do have a little bit of context as kind of what I've done so far going forward, because okay. you're absolutely right on just staying here and being patient. Uh, but I took the Get Clear get clear Assessment about a year ago, okay. which I'd be happy to share my purpose statement if you need me to. It's been an awesome help in my transition. I've also been using Proximity Principle to get connections within multiple companies that are helping, and I have individuals in there that are helping navigate and represent me through their hiring process. So my next career move is definitely in the steps, definitely in the works. There's been no offer yet, um, and a couple of those companies are just phenomenal. Okay. Well, um, so are you getting – so? They've told you specifically that you're too young and also your parenting situation with your kids is also a limitation. They're telling you that specifically? They're dancing around the bush with that. Like they're not telling me directly, but they have had discussions directly that have, they've admitted to limiting me based upon, you know, me having to take off here and there for childcare issues, me being sick, my daughter being sick, um, which I did kind of, I'm very open, a transparent guy. I've known these guys for seven sure. years. So I thought I could be trustworthy with them, but it seems like they're using some of what I'm telling them going on my personal life against me now. Well, uh, well let me ask you things. this. Is their concern viable? It is to an extent, um, but the problem they have is the child's not mine genetically. I took on the dad role. Um, but their concern is they don't see it the same way as me having responsibility to a child like it would be if I were actually legally her parent, which I do have paperwork um, that does kind of legally put responsibility for me over the child when I'm under her care or she's under my care. So that is one thing. Okay, is this, is it, are you divorced, married? What's your situation? Um, not really divorced or married. It was actually ex-fiance of mine who we split up. She got pregnant, went up to Georgia, uh, the guy took off four months into pregnancy. She came back down here. I figured out about it myself, but I come from a single-parent background, you know, raised by my dad from a very young age by myself. So I know what kind of strain that puts in a kid. And I knew that if anything I could control about it, anything I could do to help take care of the child, then I would do it. So do and you I mean, have – so so, All right, so hold on one second. So this child is not yours. Mm-hmm. You are acting as a guardian for your ex fiance Correct, her child. Yes. Do you and you have legal guardianship? Not legal guardianship, but I do have in loco parentis um, because they're going through a whole case in the state of Georgia and Florida now for child support. 
everything with the father. So I don't want to get in the middle of that right no. now. I'm just trying to work through just taking care of the child. How often do you have the child? Uh, every day, just about. So I drop her off at daycare and then I have her up there the weekend. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where's the mom? She's around. She still lives locally. We just, she lives in Panama City Beach. I live on the other side of town. Yeah, but you have the child every day. Dropping off at daycare in the morning, I do. Not every single day. Like, she gets in the afternoons and the evenings, and I get her every other weekend, and then on Thursdays, and whenever I would like to see her kind of thing. Yeah, I, I this is, uh, Connor, this is a bit of a mess. Um, mm-hmm. But you're a really good dude. So let me say, your heart is absolute platinum. Um, and now you're invested with this child. But I will tell you that your professional limitations because of the child, thats you've got to fix that. This is not your child. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to hone in on this very quickly and I'll move on. But to the extent that you caring for this child is hurting your ability to be promoted that's not good that's not a good you're not you're not you're not more honorable you're not that's not smart can you have some involvement in the child's life sure i don't begrudge what you're doing but it's not your child so you're either all in on this with the goal to adopt this child which is just honestly this is so messy and i feel like in some ways tell me if i'm wrong but that your ex fiance is manipulating you and taking advantage of you. Do you agree or disagree with that? It does feel that way at times. If it weren't for me being the one to make the decision to take on the parent role, I would say that it would be, but it, it's kind of mutually done at this point. Yeah, I'm yeah, but no, no, it's mutually. You're, you're, you've you're both agreed to be, to. she's manipulating you and you've agreed to be manipulated. And I'm telling you that I'm only bringing this up and I, I do not want to sound tough. I, 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 I no, no, but, I appreciate it. But I, but brother, if you were my younger brother, I'd be like, dude, you need some boundaries. In fact, I'm going to give you a copy of my good friend Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries. Guys, I know we got a copy here somewhere. Let's do it. It's my gift. You need to read this and do this because here's the deal. You admitted that your professional limitations are in part because of your responsibilities to a kid that's not yours. Not mm-hmm. only is the kid not yours... The kid belongs to a woman who you broke up with. She goes to another state. She comes back because she knows you're dependable and you're a good guy. And there's some attachment there going on with her. Plus, there's what you went through as a kid. And so all of a sudden, you feel like I'm the person who needs to step in. And and I'm telling you that that's all okay to a certain point. But the minute that you're professionally limited because of your responsibilities to watch someone else's child, we got ourselves a problem, and you need a boundary. So I'd fix that immediately. That is mama's responsibility. You can assist because you're already in the kid's life, but I would pull back on that to the point that starting today, whatever you do to assist this child and her mother Mm -hmm. is on the outside of any professional responsibilities that you have. Your job, your life, your future relationship, everything else comes first. Whatever time you have left at this season of your life to give to this mom and her child, gravy. You got me? I got you. Thanks, Ken. Dude, this is your life. It is. 
So I'll tell you one thing, all the books and the proximity principle in my book and the assessment in the world, none of that's going to work for you until you decide to take control of your life. And you are being manipulated, my friend, because you're such a good dude. And I'm trying to set you free. I'd also go back to your current leaders and go, hey, I'm fixing that situation. I'm no longer limited by that. I needed boundaries. Here's what I learned. This really loud guy on the radio lectured me, and I'm going to do what he said. So I'm resubmitting myself for promotion to say I'm no longer going to have limitations to take care of a child that's not mine. I don't know where the baby daddy is. I don't know where mama is, but that's their job, not yours. Sorry. Some old common sense that we got to swallow sometimes. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.